SEI Pro Podcast. My name is Joey Stabile, and I'm here with Zach Hawthorne, and together we are the co-hosts of this exciting indoor cycling show. Are you looking for indoor cycling inspiration and ideas, new classes and playlists? Please find this and a whole lot more at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. And... Welcome back to the ICI Podcast. It's Joey and Zach, and we're here for our second edition together. Today we have a special treat for you. We have Miss Amy Smith, Master Instructor for Cycling Fusion and um, Trainer Extraordinaire. Hello, Amy. How are you today? Good evening, guys. Great to be with you tonight. Yep. So in full disclosure, um, I want to say that both uh, Zach and I work for Cycling Fusion as well, and we just got done doing a... um, level one training workshop at the Thelma Lovett YMCA in Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, We had a rare opportunity to have the three of us together to be able to deliver that training. So we're probably going to talk a little bit about that today in addition to finding out what it is that makes Amy as great as she is and uh, where she finds the inspiration for her rut. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Zach. And uh, Zach, why don't you tell us what you thought about today and how it went. It's been a while since the three of us had had chance to uh, work together. Absolutely. Uh, it's been a little bit. Um, I think the last time we were together was Pitt's workshop last year, which is coming up again this year. Uh, January. It's a two-day workshop. Yeah. 20th and 21st, I think. Back to back, level two. So we're going to dive into hard zones a lot more. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. I love level two. But today's overall, I think it went really well. I think we have 11 more um spin instructors that are going to be ready to tackle Pittsburgh. Yeah, and hopefully tune into our podcast yeah. as soon as possible. Absolutely. Very nice. So, um, Amy, since you're the subject of today's podcast, how did you think today's training workshop went? I had a blast. I think everybody was really receptive, and I think they all learned a lot. Definitely, um, they did well in their their training, their coaching at the end. I think they all came out with a, a lot of new new ideas to put into their classes. So what is it about the workshops that you love the best? What do I like yeah, to like uh, teach the best? Exactly. Or? What is it that makes you, uh, makes you so excited to do the workshops? The class building is definitely my favorite. You know, teaching them how to put a class together, how to design their class, you know, giving them some, the, the drills and skills how to put it all together and make that wow class. So now just to, to be fair here, uh, Amy, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself and maybe that will elaborate on why you enjoy the drills and skills so much. Because from, from my understanding and from what I've written with you, it's you're not the average cyclist. So, <laughs> so why don't you give us a little bit of a background? I think I have a little bit of a diverse background, I'd say. I... Um, my first uh, class, my first training, I went in totally cold, right? I mean, I had never been on a spin bike at all the very first time I took my first cert, which was a, Sh- a Schwinn cert back in the day. Um, 1999, maybe 2000, I think it was, and just started at a YMCA. And in my hometown, small hometown of Bradford, I had never... We had no spinning around, you know? So we um, we uh, had gotten a grant, which I was super excited about, and uh, we were buying 15 bikes to really start with the youth uh, 
classes. Nice. So, yeah, so I went to Philadelphia and, and took their training and, and brought it back to the Y. And, and then a couple years later, started to get into outdoor cycling, and then I started to race. Um, I raced uh, road bikes, crits. Uh, I started to mountain bike and mountain bike race and uh, time trial, uh, triathlon. I did a little bit of all of it. So I like to bring all of those into my class, you know, uh, try to bring it, give the experience of a little bit of each of those when I teach. Well, wow, so you're like an entire cycling team in one beautiful package. <laughs> <laughs> I neat. do my best. Very <laughs> It's fun. I mean, it's, it's great. And I love to share the experience and, you know, I've had uh, a lot of health issues over the years, so I definitely like, you know, it's very, it's my passion to help other people become healthier each day. Whatever I can do to, to make them a little healthier, and then, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's something that we share in common for sure. I mean, right. I think all of us as instructors want to benefit um, ourselves, the people we're teaching, society, the world. We want to better everybody, essentially, right? Um, but having that own personal, uh, personal setbacks, I guess you could say is, is definitely a, a motivator for us. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think we share that. I, I really enjoy that. Um, cause you motivate me. Definitely. I, I love seeing right it. Back at you. <laughs> <laughs> right back at you. If I, you know, if we can keep one more person out of that position that we've been in, then, you know, I definitely feel that it's a win-win. Absolutely. I will say from my perspective, it was kind of neat, right? So this is the first workshop I've been involved with in a long time that I haven't done a ride. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, that's right. I yeah. didn't even realize yeah. until yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to watch Zach deliver the first ride and then Amy deliver the second skills and drills ride. And um, it, it's funny from an outsider's perspective, you're both so very different, but yet so alike. So this ride style was completely different. You know, for our fellow instructors that are listening out there, what we'll do is we'll make sure that we post the PDF of the rides that each of you gave at the workshop today so that they can see the rides in the playlist so that they get a flavor for what we're talking about. So interestingly enough, like I said, the rides were so very different and yet stylistically and technically so very alike. I think that's neat. You know, I, I sometimes don't get to see that stuff because I'm on the bike, right? And so you're kind of in the mix of it. You can't really, you know, see the forest through the trees kind of a thing. Absolutely. But um, as being able to sit back today, you know, I, I, I found it very cool, you know, because I think that even though both of you have been cycling for a very long time, I feel like we all came together at Cycling Fusion. And so we're all kind of new at this. So it, it's a really neat need opportunity yeah it's a great road we all get to embark down together okay so we're all at cycling fusion and um i I think it's kind of interesting that we came from different directions and yet the really neat part about i think all of our master instructors really at cycling fusion is that we all came from outdoor riding but yet ended up as indoor master instructors which is not really the norm although if you think about it it should be yeah i hate going nowhere (laughs) (laughs) so amy why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey how did you get from the outside and uh racing to inside? i started i started inside i started inside and uh when i was in my 20s 
always uh, had Shape Magazine. Do you guys ever look at Shape Magazine? Do you remember? The advertisement <laughs> for Team and Training was always in there. Do you guys yep. know about tra- Team and Training, right? Always was like this huge thing for me. I'm going to do that someday. I'm going to do that someday. And I worked at uh, Zippo Manufacturing, the lighter company at that time. So um, I worked there 18 years. And uh, so during that time, I finally talked a girlfriend into doing an event with me. So I'm like, come on, let's do this 100-mile ride. I think it'll be fun. So (laughs) we had, kid you not, mountain bikes was all we had. At that time, I didn't know the difference between a road bike and a mountain bike and a cyclocross bike and a you know you just try bike I just knew I wanted to do this event and I talked her into being that crazy with me so we signed up you had to um, raise $2,500 and and they fly it to uh, Fort Lauderdale so wait I'm actually speechless which doesn't happen often (laughs) so your first ride was a century on a 26 inch mountain bike yes sir just checking. <laughs> Just how to get it done. Yeah, yeah. I got to get this bike. Yeah. There. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, and we did it. We finished it. We completed it. And it was a phenomenal event. And we both loved it. So, the next year, I'm looking through the magazine. And I'm like, that was a great thing to do. I want to do it again. Only this time, I decided to do a triathlon. Oh, man. Had no idea how to swim at all. And uh, so I sign up, start taking lessons. Uh, my coach, I lived in Bradford, PA. My coach was in Erie, PA. So I had to drive for my swimming because I had no idea how to swim, remember. So uh, we go in Lake Erie, not a pool, just dive right in and um, had no idea you had to breathe out in the water. I mean, no clue. Uh, I remember, and I worked at YMCA at that time, I had switched into full-time fitness, and uh, I remember the first time I swam a mile, calling my coach up and saying, I did it, I I swam a mile, and she said, well, how long did it take you? I said, I did it in an hour, and she's, she's like, um, that's great, Amy, and I had no idea that people could do it in, you know, less than 15 minutes. But, um, so I went to Florida, did the race, and uh, finished. I was the last one out of the, the water, but, you know, picked it up on the, the bike always seemed to be the better event for me. And as I continued in triathlon at that time, I started to place, but only from the bike and the run. I was always one of the last people out of the water, so I really had to, like, make up a lot of time on the bike and run. Never, you know, top three, but top three in my age group. So, it was always fun. Good time. So, is that when you realized that if you were just on a bike, that maybe you could be top three all the time? (laughs) You know, I just, I, bike was definitely my favorite. Running has always been a little difficult for me. It just never was something I, you know, felt totally comfortable with, but the bike I felt totally at home on. So Mm -hmm. then I started to learn about the difference in a road bike and a a mountain bike and a dry bike. Did you take your mountain bike to the triathlon? I did. The first time I did, yes. The first time I did. And everybody was passing me. (laughs) I love it. Everybody was passing me, and I'm like, this is bullshit. 
<laughs> I'm on a road bike, and that was I went, and so I had done a sprint triathlon because the first one I signed up for, that one with team and training, wasn't a sprint. I I went right for the Olympic, right? So um, like a month before. I'm like, you know, maybe I should try a sprint just to see what this is all going to be like. So I drove to Erie, did the sprint. That's when people were passing me on the mountain bike. So I went right to the local bike shop right there and and bought a road bike right then. And then I, um, you know, started to get much faster right away, obviously. Did you save that mountain bike forever? <laughs> no. Look, I would have held on to that thing forever. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 my grocery getter for life. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have. No, I didn't. And uh, then went in from my road bike, upgraded to the triathlon bike, then got a better road bike and cyclocross bike and got into cyclocross races, which were my absolute favorite. Like, yes, they are. Aren't they? The hardest cardio I've ever done in my life by it's a far. Yes, yeah, so much fun. And um, the triathlons are fun too because it's just you in the road, right? It's you know one on one. And and I wish the readers could be here as we're taping this, um, you know, because about about thirty feet to my left and eight feet down. Um, we have an actual bike garage now. So we've gone from a 26-inch mountain bike on a Century to literally dedicated space in the garage for all of the bikes that sit down there. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's been quite a metamorphosis there in, uh, in ride technology and experience. Well, you know the, the correct number of bikes is always N plus one, so... <laughs> That's right. That's right. You can never have enough. That's right. So I think, you know, I think mountain biking now is is my favorite out of all. I, I love cyclocross. You know, it can get a little scary out there. Well, a little hairy, yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and as I get older, I get a little more nervous of, of injuries. But. Yeah, and you get to just experience nature when yeah. you mountain bike too, yeah. right? It's yeah. more about the experience than the efforts you're putting out, essentially. Right. Right. So it's 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 much more fun. So I'll still do cyclocross, but for fun. Yeah. Not be your hand up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Same. You know, I that's the one thing I always think of. Though to me, the mountain bike races were always more fun than your road races. Everybody's a little more. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think more high strung, we'll say. Yeah. More, yeah. I think the roadies know who we're talking about. <laughs> wow. And the funny thing is, both of you are looking at me. Why is that? I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. One crash too many in, in crits, and that put me out, you know? So. Crit life is difficult. It, it is, definitely. Broken collarbone. Five ribs, that was enough. When you're pace line and at 30 plus miles an hour and there's eight people around you within uh, eight inches of your wheels, you know, that's that's a scary yeah, time. Yeah, it can get sketchy. Although sure. I got to tell you, so I've always found that there's no greater thrill in the world <laughs> than going 27 miles an hour, True. literally rubbing bars with somebody. Right, yep. right. You just got to pray that the guy behind you is smart enough not to cross wheels. Right. Which doesn't right. always happen. No. No. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of, I mean, for me at least, that was the whole point of catting up, right? Is just <laughs> right. to get with Getting people that out. actually knew what they were doing. And you had yeah. a chance of not dying. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You could actually lay down some efforts and, and have a blast in that crew. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, Joe, there's no better feeling than being uh, than being in a tight group going 27, 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Definitely. 
Yeah. So after, you know, after racing for a while um, and continuing to teach spin and taking other people's spin classes, it kind of, it led me to Cycling Fusion. And, and when Gene first called me and told me about his, you know, bringing the outdoor ride in, I was all about learning as much as I could with his program to see uh, how it all ran and and I've been a fan ever since. As with Amy, I feel the same way, right? Like I think part of the joy is to bring the outdoor cycling world to people that have never had an opportunity to experience it. And um, I think that it can really be done on an indoor bike, um, you know, and hopefully we're leading more people towards it. And, uh, you know, I thought the greatest, one of the greatest moments of today's workshop was uh zach was, was you when you were giving the introduction and you were like yeah you know and you never know next spring you may find yourself outside on a bike That's and you right. can just see Crossing the wheels turning both ways right yeah and you can just see the wheels turning right you yeah know? and i think that's the thing it's you know it's always such a chore to bring outdoor riders in um because you know there's a stigma attached to it but i think that the really exciting part is bringing indoor riders out and letting them experience their, right. oh, their I agree. first time on, an, on a bike. Yeah, because what they're doing inside is healthy, it's good for them, it's fun, um, it, it's it's a blast, right? And right. now imagine that feeling, but a billion times better. A bike equals freedom, and you know, everybody wants freedom, and fortunately a bike's only, you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars at most, so freedom isn't that much money in this sense. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or even a couple hundred off of Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need a lot to, to feel that sense of freedom. You really do. That's don't. right. And everything's better with fresh air added in, you know, that just... Nothing. Not to mention the, the good you're doing for the environment. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we always like like my favorite bike out of the bike garage downstairs is the 1987 Cannondale Team Comp, the mint green with salmon colored <laughs> lettering. Yep. The old fat tube uh, setup. My my most frequent you know, bike that I ride is probably my cheapest and my most beat up. Both wheels are definitely out of true, but it it's it's what it, I have the most fun on, and I know that it's. It's old reliable. <laughs> yeah, and it just, it's like an old glove. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so we're getting a little off the topic here, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know how it is when we start talking about bikes, I get a little carried away. N plus one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and so they can't see the bike garage today that if they only knew that you just brought the plus one back to me today. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. so my single speed is now in the bike garage, it as it should be. Um, yeah, so, so now, actually the plus one hasn't changed, just the N. True. <laughs> True. True. We're still adding value. <laughs> yeah. The um, Amy, why don't you tell us? Bring that outdoor in. Um, you design the rides, and a lot of our listeners probably have seen your rides. Either um, posted the profiles on Facebook, as we do. We now at ICI Pro carry the uh, Cycling Fusion weekly rides every week. Our our viewers get to see the Cycling Fusion rides, and um, so certainly they've seen your name and some of your wonderful pictures that you send along with the rides <laughs> for us to post. So what's your inspiration for that? How does that happen? How do you go from the joy of riding through the woods or like, for example, one of your latest classes was the joy of race day. Right. And I like then, to do a race day every couple months. To and how do you get that to an inside ride? Like what makes that happen? I, I actually visualize like the last one was a race I did in Meadville. And I kind of thought about how that whole race uh, course was. And I plan it out as that course went and try to, you know, encourage and um, just let them feel 
what I remember feeling, which is always an amazing, right? <laughs> it's you know, amazing. I miss, what, like I haven't raced in a while, right. and I miss it. Like I definitely miss that feel. There's nothing like that. You know, you have to, you have to experience it to know. But I definitely encourage everybody to try it you don't have to be this amazing athlete to race right you can go out and just do it be go in yeah yeah everybody can be an athlete everybody out there is an athlete you know anybody that's in a spin class you got to consider yourself a true athlete yeah you know as i always say right it's okay to let someone pass you on a race course yeah just make sure they're breaking a record when they do it I'm just going out to, to beat my own time. I, I tell people all the time I'm not competitive, and that may not be true, but, um, you know. <laughs> it's your story. You get to tell <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, but you're talking about race day. I mean, everything from race day jitters, so for all our heart zone, right. you know. I mean, if you're if you're uh, focused on being in zone one or two for whenever that start line uh, gun b- blows off and right. you're looking at your heart rate monitor and it's in zone four <laughs> and you're exactly. wondering what's going on, you know, it's you got the race day jitters. That's something you're going to have to deal with. And that's why you're an ex- there's experienced racers and there's, you know, novice racers. But everyone, like you said, is definitely an athlete and everyone should try racing at right. some point right you know i take them through that right from the get-go you know on that uh, on our warm-up it's like you know calm your breath because you start to think back of of you being on that you know race line and how that feels and you just talk them through the whole thing and it's fun and they can kind of you know I, i try to encourage them to all wear heart rate monitors that day um we we keep track of the wattages that they're putting out that day and then Two months later, we can do it again and try to see improvement. You know, if we don't know our numbers, we can't improve our numbers. So, you know, I try to encourage them just to really keep track of it all. And it's funny. So it just makes it more fun. <clears throat> makes me think back, right? Like, so I remember my first crit ever. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, you know, you're sitting in the middle of the pack and, uh, you know, nervous as all get out, right? And you realize that, you know, in T minus whatever seconds, you know, you're going to accelerate from sitting to 30 inches from other people, right? That you don't know, of course. And um, throwing your weight around. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, you know, I remember we took off and, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't get clipped in fast enough, right? So I lost like four or five spots, like right off the rip. Yeah. Um, you know, so stood in the back and um, I remember the sheer terror as I went around for like the third or fourth lap, realizing that I had lost a couple more positions and that, you know, I didn't have far to go before getting blown off the back, right? And, um, you know, I remember coming around like the fourth quarter corner and um, right as we hit the bank, you know, I realized that the rest of the the group had actually sped up on the third corner. Mm. You know, and that like I was slowly losing ground and the terror like that I felt because I knew if I got blown off the back right, I would never catch up without the draft. No. And right. so literally just I remember I mean not even halfway through the race, right? Out of the saddle as tight as I could get it, just to get back to where I could get back into a drafting position. And, um, 
you know, back then I didn't have all the fancy iPhone stuff and, you know, you had the Ant Plus heart rate, right, that hooked up to your watch and all that stuff. And uh, a strong willpower. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I ended up staying. I mean, I was younger then. It was easier. I ended up staying on the group and actually working my way up to being only like, you know, two thirds of the way back instead of like the very last rider on the group. Okay. But, so um, back. but I remember though that after the race, looking at my, at my watch, right, and literally... I had spent like 19 minutes in zone five, like just, yeah. And the really funny part, unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. And like the really funny part about it is like you said, like I was in zone four before the gun went off. Yep. Right. Right. Like my heart was just like thump, 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 you know, waiting for it to happen. And I think that that's, you know, it's a skill that we can teach our people indoors or now. Right. I mean, that's one of the people I tell my indoor riders is that, you know, so we're teaching you cycling. And we're teaching you athletic performance, but we're also teaching you real life skills here, right? Mm -hmm. So the ability to calm your heart rate and to be able to calm down and settle down while on the move is a life skill as well, well. whether you're on a race line or whether you have, um, you know, small kids or dogs or whatever that you're chasing around, you still need to be able to calm your heart rate down. Absolutely. Totally agree. 100%. We we got kind of sidetracked a little bit and... um, but, you know, so we're talking about how you build your classes and where your inspiration comes from. So we found your inspiration comes from your passion and your life experiences. So how do you take that life experience? So the, And this is always the question, I think, that instructors have. Because as instructors, we all have life experiences, whether they're on bikes or not, that we'd love to be able to transform that passion into an end ride. But how do we do that? What, it, what, what are the steps that we go through? We have to find the right music first off like that one I did today the 300 violin mm-hmm. to me that's such a deep moving song that made me feel like the top of Haleakala right that was yeah, part, none of us know, would know because you were up there 45 minutes before the next person <laughs> but that's but, a whole different but, that's a whole different podcast that's a whole different <laughs> you know Haleakala was what 26 miles up how do you remember how many miles? It's 20 35 and change. Oh, we well, started, I was way off. Yeah. But um, 10,049 <laughs> feet from tire dip to summit. We started a little bit up. Yeah, we started. So I think up. we did about 27. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah. so at the very top, the last few miles are steep. Like you've climbed all of those miles, pedal stroke after pedal stroke after, and you get two miles up, and all of a sudden it's steep, right? <laughs> You, you know, you... We're talking like 18% wickedness. You have to dig deep. You know, it's not... At that point, it's not necessarily the strongest rider. It's like, who's got the most heart? Who's got the most desire to not get off that bike, to make it to the top? Or who can grab the bumper of the car that just passed? (laughs) (laughs) You get to the top. (laughs) That song, that's all I can think about when I'm doing that. It's like epic climb you know it just drives you and so again it goes back to you know just life experiences i mean to to build a class but that's one of my favorite ones and i have yet to find a song to replace that one like that one i just think i am always listening trying to find one that like drives me as much as that one does um and i will i keep listening but i find my music all different usually it's when i'm i'm riding in the car is about the only time i have to really listen but that's not true. Now, now I work um, 
at Crunch Fitness as a fitness manager and personal trainer, and so I have eight to 12 hours a day um, on the floor listening to music, which is, you know, uh, some of the... A curse and a blessing. Yeah, yeah so, I, so each day we have a different genre of music, so I can get a wide variety, and I'll pick up some music that way too, you know. Um, so you're always, you should always be on the lookout for new music. So when you listen to music, I mean, what does that mean? Like, do you flip on your car radio? Do you tune into Spotify? Do you use iTunes? I am an iTunes user through and through, yeah. It's the only one I use. It's the only one I'm comfortable with. Only, you know... Okay, so you have Apple Music then? True. Right? Yes. And so do you have lists that you go to? Like, you know, top 40 lists, EDM 100? So I go through the browser, and they always, you know, will have recommendations... So I'll play through those. They'll have different playlists, um, Sunday playlists, Monday, you know, um, pop playlists, and I'll, I'll go through all those. As I'm listening and I like it, I'll put it in a new music file that I'll keep. Gotcha. And as I start to develop a class, I'll have a list of climbing music, a list of speed music, a list of... Uh, building, you know, songs that I feel like I could really build into, um, going from seated to standing or, or whatever it may be. And um, so I'll start to file them in that way. And then that's how I start to, you know, build my program. Brady, so you have a resource you can go to. So when you say, you know, during today's profile, I need five minutes of climbing, you then can go to your list of I'll climbing. Go right to my file. Yep. find either one song that's five minutes or maybe two songs that's, you know, five and a half or whatever, and then that's how you kind of fill the spot on right. the Right, and I'll build it. So if I have time and I have a song I'll, I like, I'll build that song out and then file it. And what does that mean when you say build it out? So I start by timing out the music. So I'll listen to it, listen to it again, and start to just put the brakes in the music. Where does the music change? Where do I feel a change? Where do I feel like I might want to change the movement in my ride? And I'll, so I'll start to just build it out. And I'm old, old school, I'll write it out. And um, then start to put it in class. I use Class Builder. Um, and I'll start to build one, one song at a time. And I'll start to build the whole class. I did, however, uh, want to piggyback off something that you kind of mentioned um, really subtly. I don't know if you even noticed it, but um, you said how you like to build songs from seating to standing. And, and before that, you were talking about um, songs and how they make you feel. And, you know, those, those certain moments where a song can capture that. Um, are there, whenever you're building playlists and um, different workouts, do you find it easy to um, do those nice, smooth transition that everyone's looking for, right? Everyone wants to be a rock star in front of their students. Do you find it's much easier whenever you can relay some sort of personal experience and a, a song together and, and make that harmonious transition? Do you think that's the easiest way? I find it the easiest way. I, I think it flows out of you when you've had this experience and you're listening to the song and, and it just, the the cues come so much easier, I think. It's almost like a magical moment, <laughs> yeah, right? It's, yeah, yeah. It just is easy. And I think they feel that passion out of you when you're, you know, you're reliving 
your experience, right? Yeah. So, and when you say passion, you mean sweat dripping from your face, (laughs) (laughs) right? Right. And just, you know, going back in time, like as you're writing, you can just relive certain experiences and it's, it's just fun. And I think they, they sense it and, and they, you know, get that passion from you and, and get excited about it. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. I just, yeah. I wanted to make sure here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you a question because I just saw this recently on one of the um, online forums. Um, so you obviously spend a lot of time with your music and picking the right music. Absolutely. Um, one of the questions that I recently saw on one of the forums was um, somebody asking about, you know, music and cadence and how do you get the BPM to match the RPM and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so without going like too deep into it, you know, what's your feeling on that? You know, so because there, it was it was actually split, which surprised me. You know, I'm a BPM RPM guy. Like I spend a lot of time myself making sure that the beat of the music matches the cadence that I want my riders to be at, which, you know, can make it hard, right? Because the song that you wanted to use may not be the song that you can use because it's a little wonky with the RPM. So, you know, how do you feel on the BPM versus RPM kind of subject? I think they kind of go together. Yeah. I mean, you got to match your song and what you're doing. I, I feel. I mean, I get a lot of feedback on that as people really appreciate the blending, you know, coming up at the right time of the song, having the right uh, RPM, feeling it with the music. And I, I just think it's the right, right way to do it. Whether you use... Uh, another app, you know, to get the BPM. I a lot of times I just feel it. That's how I do it. I mean, I just I match it up that way. But now I understand what you're talking about. Whenever you say you feel it, and I I understand. I know Joe understands what you're talking about. But for some of our our cycling fans out there that maybe don't understand what you're talking about, whenever you say feel it, um, I just want to be clear. You know, you you've already listened to the song, so you, so you know the song. So that's obvious on where you feel it as far as rhythm goes. But as far as you know, intensity and where to place your resistance on the bike, that kind of just comes from um, a vast knowledge that us as master instructors have of the the body and and what physiological effects we can ask ourselves, right? Right. I, yeah, totally. And, and you could take a song and think of it as speed work and I might take it and, and see it as a totally different, you know, exercise, but, um, you can play that off, you know, depending, I mean, you just have to, <laughs> I don't know what to how do you do that? Yeah, that's kind of where it becomes <laughs> ambiguous, right? Yeah. All of us, like, well, I think that's a feel, you know, it, during today's workshop. So Zach was talking about um, sprints. Yeah. Genre of ride category, if you will, was spin-ups. And I was thinking that, you know, oftentimes I'll use spin-ups as openers, you know, at the end of my sure. warm-up or something like that. If we're doing speed work today, I do some light spin-ups just to get the legs ready to move fast without having to do a prolonged effort. And um, oftentimes I'll find that the same song that I may use for a true out-of-the-saddle finish line sprint will also work effectively as a spin-up song, right? You cue it a little differently. Right. You feel a little differently about it when you deliver it. But the same song can often be used in different ways, yeah. in multiple ways. Right, yeah. right. And, so um, you feel it differently. 
Yeah. Right? And that's cool because you can use the same song then differently. So now, you know, maybe you may have to make more cues, but now you don't have to expand your library in a sense as much. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, and I know Amy has done this as well, but one of my tricks is also switching the emphasis. So, you know, common intuitive is we're in the saddle on, you know, the bass drop of a song. We come up out of the saddle, heavy, heavy gear and grind away at it. You know, and one of my favorite kind of switch it up things is we start off out of the saddle a little lighter, you know, some moderate gearing kind of a thing. And when the bass drops, we hammer it in the saddle as tight as we can hold it, you know, not dropping below 60 RPMs, obviously, but just you know, a power move in the saddle. And I always like it because it seems almost counterintuitive right. to what we feel we should be doing. Right. One which, of the students did that today. Yeah, yeah. which I think makes it yeah. harder. Yeah. 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 And then it's exciting. It switches it up for them. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And come up and stretch the legs. Yeah. Instead of. Yeah. I love using out of the saddle to stretch the legs instead of for performance purposes. Because at the end of the day, we all know that you make all your power in the saddle. So why not spend all your time in the saddle, essentially? Yeah, for sure. Um, But but that's for more advanced riders. Obviously, you can't have newbies in the saddle all day. They have to come out and stretch. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I've always felt that, that, you know, in a race situation, at the point that you've come out of the saddle, You've already lost. You're just determining by how much. <laughs> yeah. 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 You need to be the saddle to win races. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Good information. Good information. Um, let's kind of wrap it up, though. So you've got your playlist. You've got your ride profile, if you will. You put it together. Um, I know the answer to this question um, because I'm very fortunate in that... Um, Last year in uh, Hawaii, I had asked Amy to uh, marry me, and she agreed to. So I get to see her on a daily basis. But um, you know, for for our listeners that don't know, so you've got everything put together. Um, you know, then what do you do with the ride? And I think this is the most important part. And Zach, you hit on this in today's class as well about how many times you ride it and tweak it. Because I watch you go through this. You've you seen know, me at home. Week. Yeah. 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 So why don't you tell me? We our... have a sauna and I sit in the sauna and I'm listening to the music and I'm like making my notes and changing it up and then I, I get on the bike, ride it, uh, I deliver it Monday, I tweak it a little, I deliver it again Wednesday. Usually it's good by then and, and then deliver it a third time on Friday. So yeah. But it's a constant you know, you're you're constantly refining, I think, and uh, changing things up a little bit. I don't know. I think we're our own worst critics, right? And oh, absolutely. <laughs> always feel like it can be better. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, we're uh, we're working on performance essentially. Right. 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 We're actors, right. almost right. as well as fitness instructors. Very true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I believe that wholeheartedly. Right. I mean, that was one of my opening comments to the. Um, to the workshop today, right? That, you know, you could have the soundest training principles yeah. with the most cutting-edge science. At the end of the day, if you don't have bodies in the saddle, right. you know, your class isn't going to last on the schedule very long. And unfortunately, the sad reality is 
the class will be on the schedule. <laughs> there will just be a different instructor name right. attached to it. Don't let that instructor name not be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You know, so I think it's important. But I know today, Zach, you were telling the instructors the same thing. So why don't we give our, um, our you know, instructor friends out there listening, you know, a little benefit of what you said. Because you went through the whole, you know, you got to test ride your class. As well. You have to test ride it. There, there's no doubt in my mind that um, anyone can go out there and just give a performance. You know, like I, like we said before, it is a performance that you're giving. Um, I like to test ride my rides. It's been nice here in Pittsburgh a lot lately, so I've been test riding my rides outside a lot and kind of tweaking them to the environment. Uh, that I've been riding in, so it hasn't been as steady, but um, always, always, always tweaking and modifying, um, and then it, it makes you the best best you can be up there. You know, there's no questions at the end of your ride. Uh, did I should I have done that? Did I mess someone up, or did I not count enough? And you know, that's really important. Whenever these people are coming out, giving them, giving you their time for an hour uh, for your class, and um, you know, if you're not on point, they deserve that. They do. They definitely deserve that. So that's why we deliver the best here. Absolutely. I agree. Well, Amy, we'd love to thank you for uh, spending some time with us here at ICI. Absolutely. And, it's been uh, fun. Yeah, thanks for Excellent. Amy. <laughs> Hopefully our, uh, our listeners will get to hear you again a little bit down the road about some, uh, some different topics. But um, for ICI Podcast, this is Joey. And this is Zach. And uh, we thank you for tuning in. Please check out our website, the Indoor Cycle Instructor.